I just need to make some money. I gotta get out of the poorhouse here. I'm tired of having no money and very little things. I deserve better. I want to build an empire. And I can pass it on to my kids and make a name for myself. But I would ask you, dear listener, is this the purpose of life? God's resistance is local in Wilkes-Barre in the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski. I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you missed the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube at 9 a.m. every Sunday where these are uploaded, and you will find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com, our central hub, and on Facebook, Twitter, Gab, YouTube, and Rumble at God's Resistance. That's spelled G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. Today we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes. This may be a little different than some of the things that I've done in the past. However, I do believe the Lord has laid this on my heart that this is what I'm to share. A little background before we go into Ecclesiastes is that this book was written by Solomon, and Solomon started off well with God, and Solomon married many strange wives who did not worship the true God and worshiped many other gods, and it says that his wives in the scripture are the ones that turned his heart away. So we, in the book of Ecclesiastes, are reading about a time when he, Solomon, was backslidden. And I know some of you listening may think, well, there's no such thing as backsliding. However, the Bible bears out just the opposite, that people do backslide, people do fall away from grace, people do make a shipwreck of their faith and become uh, either sons of perdition or in a backslidden state for a while until they get back to God. And that's where Solomon is. And so Solomon, in his backslidden state, has many things to say concerning life, concerning the pursuit of just living for this world. And that's what I want to talk to you about, dear listener. It's so easy to live for materialistic things in this life. It's so easy to just kind of float through life without really our highest purpose in view. And so we go through all of life, and really, what is it all? Well, let's listen to Solomon and what he says. So in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, we read, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities. That means emptiness, meaningless. That's what vanity is. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Sounds like Solomon was a nihilist, doesn't it? There's no purpose to life. Might as well just kill yourself now and get it over with. That's not, what, that's not the, the full point that he's making. But literally, if you're just to look at life, just face, right, right in the face, this is what you find. All is vanity. What's the point? And he goes on as he's explored life. 
with basically in his backslidden state, he said, everything's vanity. And so it's going to come into a fuller picture in just a moment. I do want to tell you, though, that life is not nihilistic. That's not the way that God has intended for us to live. There's something deep inside of our hearts that transcends just this material world that we're in. And there's a higher purpose than just what we can do right here and now with our five senses. He says, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. So he's like, what kind of a dent are people going to make in their generation? They just die and another one comes along their way and now everything's in the history books and some of it's not been written in history books and is lost forever. What's the point? The sun rises and goes down and hastens to its place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind and on its circuits the wind returns. So he's like, things just, you know, they, they go on repeat. It's like rinse, repeat. The sun goes up. We've got a day. It goes down. We've got a night. The wind blows all over the earth again and again and just runs on a circuit. All streams run to the sea, but the sea's not full. To the place where the streams flow, they, there they flow again. So it's like, we've got endless rivers and things flowing down into the sea. The sea never gets to this place where it's filling up higher than it was. It evaporates, it all goes back and starts all over again. He said, it's just, it, it just on a cycle. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. There's just so much stuff around us. And in, in this age that we live in right now, social media and tons of other things that beckon for our attention. It's just a bombardment of stuff, and it's full of weariness. We don't, we don't even know how to interact with it. We don't even know what to say. And you know what? Then we, we start putting our eyes on the material things around us, and yet we're never filled. We're never fulfilled. And that's what he's talking about here. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. So he's like, you know, the next generation comes along and it's like they're going to have a go at the same thing that the previous generation was going at. They're going to do some of the same things and come to the same conclusions. Remember, he said in the beginning, all is vanity. What's the point? Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It's a rhetorical question. He's trying to make the point there isn't anything. It's already, it's been already in the ages before us. Somebody's already thought of this. They may not have had the exact same technology that we had, but they're always the same kind of thoughts, the same kind of motivations. Those are always the same thing. And he says, listen, there's no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. So here we have it. You can build up an empire. You can do all this stuff, but you're going to go to the grave. Sometimes people, they say they're immortalized because they get written down in the history books and people remember them and all. But ultimately, it all doesn't matter in the end. You can't take it with you. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. Okay, so here's a guy of high status. It's like he climbed the ladder and he got there. Now, when we look at Solomon's life, he didn't climb the ladder like some CEO of our day would have done. God installed this man to be king, but he's saying, I've got a really high position in Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. That sounds kind of like some deep bitterness in the guy's heart. 
God's just giving us all this unhappy business. No fulfillment. What what are we doing here? We just keep doing the same things over and over again. Everything we put our hands to is all vanity and meaningless. And God's given us this unhappy business. This is what happens to the heart of somebody who knew God and walked with God and is backslidden. (coughs) Excuse me. They knew what was true and right, and they enjoyed walking with God. But somewhere along the way, they sinned their grace away, and they're in such a sad and hopeless and helpless state like Solomon, and they're starting to get bitter towards God. What's the point? Why am I, why do I even exist? God's doing all this to me. That's kind of the thing. Verse 14, I've seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. Think about it. You try and grab wind, it goes right through your fingers. You can't grab hold of it. And he's saying that's just like every pursuit here in life. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. So he's saying, listen, I'm a privileged man. I'm the king, and God endowed me with wisdom above all the people that have gone before me. And that's what the Bible says of Solomon. And he said, and with that, I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. It's like, even after I got all this wisdom, I was like, well, what's the depths of wisdom? And he tries to travel down the depths of wisdom. He said, well, this is all madness. And he he tries to strive down towards the depth of folly and foolishness. Well, that's madness as well. And it's just a striving after the wind, just like the material possessions and all would be. He says, for in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. A lot of people are like, well, you know what? I love reading books. I love acquiring wisdom. I love doing that. But his conclusion is, when people do that, when they give their hearts unto wisdom and knowledge, with their knowledge increasing, with their wisdom increasing, they start to see more with the eyes and heart of God this reality that you and I live in. They start to see that. And Solomon is saying, it's awful. It just increases sorrow. The more I know, the more wretched this world looks to me in wisdom and true wisdom, the more awful and hopeless things are. I would just lift up to you the name of Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you've listened to him at all. But here's a man who is extremely intellectual and has given, you know, probably over 30, 40 years of his life in studies. He's a brilliant man. He's very smart. And yet, as he's looked through all these things and by wisdom tried to acquire knowledge, I've seen some interviews with that guy where he looks like the most sorrowful man. He he seems sorrowful because he sees what life is like. It's brutal. People are brutal. There's the seed of evil inside of every person's heart. And he said so often, You don't understand the shadow part of you. If you think humanity is mostly good, you're wrong. So here's a man, Jordan Peterson. He doesn't profess to be a Christian, although it seems to be that God is drawing him to himself, and he may very well become a Christian in the near future. However, he's coming to some of the conclusions even that Solomon had. You seek after all this, and the sorrow is so deep now that I'm like getting an understanding of life and what it really is and the hard knocks of life. You know, listener, you've got to do that. You've got to think clearly and you've got to think critically. Now, I hope to end on a positive note as we go through this, but we're, we're seeing things for what they are. We're seeing reality right now. And we've got to look at reality. Who, who of us really likes to just be told a bunch of lies? I sure don't. I'm sure you don't either. 
I want to know what, what reality is, even if it hurts. I want to know that. I want to deal with reality. I don't want to live a lie, and neither do you. And so we look at life and we say, what's the point? I pursue after riches, nothing. I pursue after you know, wisdom, nothing. I pursue after just foolishness, nothing. It's all vanity. I try and work hard, then what? I die. These are all the conclusions he's coming to. Chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes. He says, I said in my heart, come now. I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. Here's his conclusion. But behold, this also is vanity. Do you commune with your own heart? I'm not talking about you're a nutcase and you talk to yourself in, in some kind of you know, mental issue or mental trouble. But I'm saying, you know those times where you sit and you think deeply? And you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do now. That's what Solomon was talking about. He said in his heart, all right, I'm just going to give myself to pleasure. He gave himself to all the, and pleasure, the pleasures that he could think of and enjoy himself. And he said, this is vanity. There's nothing in this too. I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? And I think he's thinking about it in its eternal significance because ultimately we're out of here. 10 out of 10 people die. I search with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. Some other people do that too. They try and just figure it out and say, you know what? I guess we just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. So people spend their life at the drink, you know, and they're trying to think, you know, it's not worth being all mopey and sorrowful about things. Let's just drink and be happy. But then you find that's vanity too. Many people have found that. I found that in my own life before I met Christ. He said in verse 4, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted them in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasures of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. What is he saying? He's saying, I give myself wholly up to anything that I could get my hands on that I could do in this life. And yet I'm still unfulfilled. And yet this still isn't the meaning of life. Dear listener, is that where you are? You still don't know why you're here on earth? You're pursuing all sorts of things and yet it's not coming together. Is that you? Then he says, So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. So he's saying, I had everything at my disposal. I could do whatever I wanted. And yet I found no fulfillment. So what's the next guy going to be able to do that comes after me? Is he going to be able to do anything different? No. He's going to do the same thing. He's going to repeat the same thing because there's nothing new under the sun. 
Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. And I think some of this is true. Even an atheist who doesn't believe in God can see, you know, wisdom says this is a better way to live life. It's a more pleasing way. It's better for myself. It's better for my family. It's better for society. Though they may not have the end in view that they're going to go to a heaven or that they're striving to anyways, they can realize, you know, there's more to gain in wisdom than there is in just being a fool. So a lot of people will go that way. And the wise person, he says, has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceived that the same event happens to all of them. So even though in this life, wisdom has more gain to it, he said, we're both going to the same end. We're both going to die. We're both going to return to the dust. And so no matter what we do, ultimately at the end, we're all on a level playing field. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this is also vanity. So now he's thinking, okay, if, if a man who lives like a fool is going to end up dying and me who's tried to give my life all the way to wisdom is going to end up dying, what's the point in me being wise? So he's got both ends that he's looking at. And you know, he still comes to the same conclusion, vanity, vanity vanity. I said in my heart, this is vanity. For of the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have long been, all will have been long forgotten how the wise dies just like the fool. Death will come for us all. So what was the conclusion? So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me. For all is vanity and a striving after the wind. Listener, again, I cannot stress this enough. This is life without God. This is the life of a backslider. This is the life of someone who turns their back on God. Vanity, vanity, I hate life. Verse 18, he said, I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he'll be wise or a fool. Yet he'll be master of all for which I toiled and use my wisdom under the sun. This is also vanity. He's vexed about that. I give all my life to this. And what if I did a great job at building an empire and building all this wonderful stuff and and pouring all of my toil into something that, you know, I guess by human standards is pretty excellent. He said, well, what's going to happen when I die? Do I have a promise that somebody who's smart is going to be over all this? What if the person's a fool? They're going to destroy everything that I do. So then he goes again, it's all pointless. It's vanity. It's meaningless. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. I say, he says it's a great evil. I can't say that it's a great evil. It's just life. We weren't made to live just for here and now. And that's where Solomon's going to end up coming more and more to that conclusion. But you need to hear that too, listener. We are not living just here and now. We have to live in the here and now, but there is a higher purpose for us. And so saying this is a great evil, I think is not quite accurate. It just is what it is. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. 
This also is vanity. That makes me think of uh, Rockefeller. Uh, I can't remember which one it was, but I remember reading something like, as his riches increased, he slept less and less. He was worried about his riches and is somebody going to steal them? Is somebody going to take them? And he couldn't sleep at all. And somebody counseled him that he should just be giving some of that money away. And when he started to give the money away, he was able to sleep. And what am I saying by that? When, when your heart is just in the pursuit of the things of this world, it eats you alive. It eats you up. You can't sleep at night. You don't rest. And that's vanity according to Solomon. And I would say it's vanity according to me. All this toil and what? You know, stress yourself out. You're going to get a heart attack and die young over this life. There's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after win. That's something to consider. People are gaining and amassing money, and they what are they going to do with it when they die? God has a way of taking those things and giving it to those people whose hearts are after him. He can do that. I mean, he's doing it really forcibly through our government. People get large tax refunds solely because they have a job or they've got a lot of kids. Where did they get that money from? And some of those people are ones that walk after God. Where did that money come from? Well, the rich had to pay in all their stuff. They pay in money. And then what happens? That money was taken from them and given to somebody that loves God. And the way that the, those, the people that love God end up using that money is for far better ends than probably the rich would have used it. God has a way of twisting everything around so we can give ourselves to all that pursuits. But if we're not doing it for the glory of God, He has a way of taking that money and giving it to somebody who will do something that's worthy, something that that life is all about. Remember, he keeps saying these phrases over and over again, all this is vanity and a striving after the wind. Listener, if you don't get anything else out of this broadcast, I would like you to understand this. Life without God is so pointless, meaningless, and empty, and it is like trying to catch the wind. You will not be fulfilled if this is your pursuit, if this is your end, this life, the here and now. You're going to come to the same conclusion Solomon did. And I don't want you to be left in that hopeless state. I hope that you'll stay on and listen until the end here because there is hope. There is hope, but we've got to go to the depths of despair first before the hope makes a whole lot of sense to us. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? What is he saying? Oftentimes, I guess I've even thought of the scripture this way, and I've heard a lot of people uh, talk this way, and then uh, that group, the hippie group, the birds, sang the song, every season, turn, turn, and it was this section of scripture that they were referencing. He's not 
looking at this in an optimistic way that oftentimes we would look at this and say, well, you know, there's just these times and seasons in life. He's saying, you have no control over these times and seasons of life. So you can toil your life away and put all these efforts in, and yet this will happen to you. A seasons will come in your life that you have zero control over. So what is the purpose of all of my toil? If no matter what I do, I have to face life with all of its variables and things that I can't change. I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He's made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So God makes everything beautiful in his time, no matter how much toil and whatever we do. God's got a plan that he's working through the hearts of men, through circumstances. A plan is taking place. Whether you and I like it or not, or whether we're for it or against it, it really doesn't matter. He makes everything beautiful in his time because he controls everything, his hands over everything. He makes everything beautiful in his time. And then it says he put eternity into man's heart. Eternity. Every one of us realizes there's a forever hereafter. Some of you might think, Well, I just believe I'm going to die and return to dust and be nothing. Well, it's still forever. Regardless of what you believe, there's a forever after I leave here. There's an endless something. According to the Bible, according to Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, there is a forever in hell and there's a forever in heaven. God has put eternity into our hearts. He's put enough of it in there for us to long after eternity, for us to think about eternity and get our gaze off this material world that you and I are living in, and get our gaze on the things that matter most, those eternal things that never fade away. He's put enough of that eternity into our heart, but he hasn't put so much that we understand everything. So we get to the place where I've got eternity and the knowledge of it, and then I realize that there's a God that knows all those things I don't know, and I need to seek after him. This is what Solomon's conclusion is. God has just put enough of that in us, intended for us to seek after him and not just live for the here and now. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. So that's the reprieve we have here in this life. Just be simply content with what we have. Rejoice out of the reward of our toils and labors. And he said, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. So there is this wide latitude of things that you and I can do, but God has ultimate control over all things, and and what God has done will happen, and it will be forever. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Excuse me, I got to skip down here. Verse 15, that which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness, and in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every matter and for every work. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beast is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beast, 
for all is vanity. All go to one place, all are from the dust, and to dust all return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? So listener, the only hope in life is that we seek after God. God has so calculated things that that is what we're supposed to be doing. That everything on earth is so unfulfilling that we get our gaze upon God. And when we seek God and we are saved, we are changed, transformed, born again, made new in Him, then life takes on meaning and purpose. And all the little toilsome things we do in life have the greater end in view. And so, listener, if you don't know that, you can be saved. You can give your heart to Jesus Christ and He will save you and make you a new person. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com and introduce yourself. I want to meet with you. Let's set up a time. We'll go to a coffee shop or whatever it takes so I can help you further in your walk with God. Make sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. There'll be more teaching and preaching and other content on there for your journey. Connect with others also there. Tell your friends about this broadcast every Sunday at 9 a.m. Tell them about social media accounts that we have there as well. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. A special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons License. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.